0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: this week the podcast is brought to you in association with Manscaped, who have recently released their performance package which is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle included in this package is the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer which is waterproof and uses a 9 thousand rpm motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system the nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. And if you're anything like me, you'll realise how painful it is to pull out a nose hair and will certainly appreciate the delicate manner in which this performs. The bundle also includes the Lawn Mower 3.0 trimmer that we talked about on last week's show, which has to be the best trimmer on the market. And if you order the package, you will also receive the Manscaped boxes and the Shed Travel Bag. Not only that, you will also receive a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking and lawn mowing time clean and enjoyable. Get 20% off and free delivery with the code WISDEN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free delivery at manscaped.com using the code WISDON. Anyway, I think we should get on with the show. New Zealand are the first ever winners of the World Test Championship. They overcame India and the weather to win that global title they've come so close to in recent years. We'll be talking about that. The women's test at Bristol, perhaps the lowest key home England men's international ever. The latest action from the blast and the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy, as well as the West Indies South Africa test. We've also got pre-recorded interviews with England newbie George Garton and young English quick Izzy Wong. I'm Yaz Rahner, and to get through all of that with me is former England batsman Mark Butcher, the magazine editor of Wisden Cricket Monthly, Joe Harmon, and features editor of Wisden.com, Tar Hashim. Welcome to the show, everyone. Um, Good to see you all. A word of warning, I had my first jab earlier today. And I've been told my side effects, if I do get them, will kick in about now. So let's see how who's this in goes. charge
2: of you collapse, Yaz. Who's your uh, well, you're
1: the closest one to me, so I think you okay. take over if I all collapse. Right. Good to know. Um, Joe, New Zealand are world test champions. That sounds great. A brilliant test match and just fully deserved.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, like a lot of people, I looked at the forecast and thought, oh no, this thing's just not going to play out at all as we want. Uh, but then slowly but surely, over what seemed like a very long six days will the rain breaks, we got this fantastic match that developed um, and credit to both sides for for allowing it to develop in, in that way um, and ended it ended up being actually quite a, a special emotional moment yesterday when Ross Taylor hit the winning runs and it felt like it felt a very fitting finale for lots of reasons I think New Zealand were absolutely deserved winners of a World Test Championship that had been messy at points it didn't like that we might even reach the finish at one stage but for New Zealand to win it was absolutely right that Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor who have suffered a lot of close defeats and a lot of hammerings with New Zealand over the years. For them to be there right at the end was also fitting. BJ Watling's send-off and that Cole Jameson was, was man of the match in the final, having been the, the player of the, the tournament effectively, uh, getting Coley out twice, looking unplayable at times. It was, a, it was a lovely, lovely moment. And it was great that there was a kind of small section of New Zealand fans in there that could... Whip their shirts off and and celebrate in style as as the winning runs were hit.
1: Mm. Ty, you thought that New Zealand's reaction at the end was quite telling.
3: Well, you know when we got to those last twenty minutes, it's kind of like you know New Zealand are going to win this. Williamson and Taylor were, were going fine. It was just a matter of when now. Um, and I was I was really interested for those last twenty minutes just see how Williamson would react because he's this steely guy who doesn't give anything away. He's pretty unreadable. Um, when they lost the World Cup final two years ago, I mean, he was just, you couldn't, you couldn't see what was happening in his brain basically. Um, And, and he, that's the happiest I've ever seen him when those hitting runs were, were here. And, you know, this is a tournament that's been talked about with having so many flaws with the point system and whatever it's been, you know, it's been put through the ring of by people. And, you know, at the end of the day, it got, it got something right. It got two of the best test teams in the world, I think, two of the best test squads in the world together for one final. And, you know, when you see the way Williamson reacted, when you see the way the New Zealand team reacted, that's not how you celebrate when you win just a bilateral series. Um, that's when you've been told you're a world champion. And so at the end of the day, you know, we got there in the end, after all that rain, after two years of, you know, quite hefty criticism, we got uh, a tournament that provided context to the world test game. Um, and and show that there's there's something here to be you know built upon. There's still a lot of things that need ironing out, but at the end of the day, the the, the simple concept of having a world champion in Test cricket is
1: is something that's meaningful and something to be celebrated.
3: Mm.
4: At
1: the end of the day, we got a deserving winner, and we wanted context in Test cricket, and that's exactly what we, what yeah, we exactly. got. Um, but what stood out for you in, in New Zealand's win, not just in the test match itself, but their kind of journey over quite a long time where they've just progressively become slowly better and yeah. better to well, arguably mean, the best side of the world? What are we talking
5: about? What Being the worst, worst side in the world, what, not so long ago? How many years ago was that now? Well, there were 45 they were all out against
1: Africa, not eight years ago.
5: Eight, eight years ago, yeah. yeah. To yeah. um, sort of, you know, arguably the, the best 50 overs side in, in the world. Um, the best test team in the world, some fabulous players, some sort of, some world 11 players um, and a a team that kind of, that plays Test Match Cricket in the way that, the way that the best teams do, you know, they're they're not always looking at the same place for contributions. They've got players who are unsung, who always get the job done for them. They've got, um, you know, three or four fellas who are stellar in terms of their performance, in terms of their consistency. Um, Well led, well liked, all good. Um, I think, I guess, Kane the Unscrutable—that's a, that's, that's a nickname for him. It, it won't stick, but it's it's quite good. Um, the um, for me the the whole occasion, and I'm forgetting the rest of the World Test Championship because face it, no one could follow it. No one had any idea. You kind of had an idea by the end that it was going to be fought out between you know the four the, the big three plus New Zealand, and then it was just a case of who got to the final. But once the final was there, I loved it. The idea that that every single dismissal, every single Run eked out over the course of the the six days in a there is no tomorrow test match meant that it was the most um, heightened um, the most heightened sort of contest between two da- two teams in the in the long game that I can remember watching every single part of it was was important every dismissal and the players played it in that way you know you could tell by the by the um, the way that that Williamson and Coley guarded their wickets with their lives, you know, it was kind of, you know, the whole thing was was on a knife edge for all the play that we got. Um, and, and for me, that's the reason why that part of the World Test Championship is perfect. Best two teams, one game, one chance, play it over six days, play it, play it until the death, if you like, you know, <laughs> into the Coliseum and, and, and keep going until they're dragging bodies off the field. Um, uh, and that that is the way to decide it. Um, you know, it's not a three-match series, it's not um, you know, best of seven, it's one test to the end, two so wins. And, and I loved it.
2: We shouldn't underestimate what this means to New Zealand and New Zealanders. Um, my, my dad is a New Zealander and he texted me moments after Ross Taylor hit, hit the winning runs saying, uh, he just said, over the last two weeks, the wounds of 1955 have finally healed. Now, if you don't know what 1955 is, that was New Zealand were bowled out for 26 by England in a test match at Eden Park. Um, my dad would have been nine at the time. And I think it's one of those sporting memories that really stays with you. I guess for me, it would be Gareth Southgate missing a penalty, Euro 96, that, that kind of thing. But to see uh, New Zealand beat England comfortably on their own patch and then win the World Test Championship final was was a really special thing for him and for a lot of New Zealanders. And, and actually, a couple of hours later, I got an email from my uncle in Auckland, uh, who recalled a test match he watched between New Zealand and India at Eden Park in February 2014. And the first thing he pointed out, which I thought was quite interesting, six of the New Zealand team who played in the World Test Championship final played in the match seven and a half years ago. Uh, seven of the Indian team as well, uh, which kind of highlights how important continuity is if you're going to be a proper test team. Now, this isn't England's moment. I don't want to drag England into this too much, <laughs> but it, but it is, it's in contrast, isn't it? It's what we've seen with England over the years. Um, and the other thing that my uncle said of that, of that match in 2014 was, a new mentality that you saw from New Zealand, which has changed a bit from McCullum to Williamson. But I shall just read out what he said because I thought it kind of summed up. He said that test in 2014 he's talking about was interesting to watch because it was the first time I ever saw New Zealand really go for the win, and it was close on the last afternoon with Dhoni taking command. It looked like India would win, but under McCullum, New Zealand just kept going for a win. It was a new kind of spirit with everyone in the team playing the game that way, and I think Williamson does it in a different way. But we've seen that. Winning team spirit continue uh, over the last few years to so the point that it's actually for us quite hard to remember a poor New Zealand test side. But they, my dad grew up with them losing every match or well, certainly not winning matches. So to get to this point, uh, we're in a country utterly dominated by rugby until the last few years uh, is really quite a special mm. moment.
1: It's all, it's almost cliche to say that they're a really likable side, and I think one of the reasons for that likability is just the familiarity cricket fans have of them. They've had, they've had that core of seven. Seven or eight players, really, who've played most formats for a very long long time now. Um, but how, how important do you think the additions late in the day of Carl Jameson and then Devin Conway made to that team? Uh, as Joe said, Jameson is arguably the player of the tournament. But in that final as well, in a really low scoring test match, Conway and Latham... Um, put on the biggest partnership of the Test match against that India bowling attack, who bowled really, really well in the in the first innings. How important do you think those two players have been in taking that New Zealand team to the next level? Yeah,
5: absolutely. I mean, I mean Jameson. There was some sort of conjecture as to who was going to end up being in the in the final eleven, wasn't there? And I don't think there was any ever any doubt that Jameson wouldn't wouldn't miss out. But the fact that they had so many players to choose from um, potentially that would have made that final eleven. Um, tells you everything you need to know about the way that the squad's put together but jameson is, is, is obviously high class very very fine bowler um, and to get rid of coley twice in in a game of this magnitude just just shows you that um, and Conway obviously is very 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 short in the tooth come in terms of test match experience but um, it 's too too early to say what he might become and it 's kind of pointless in a way but but what it does tell you is that the that there is a there is a um, Together's, togetherness is not the right word. There is an ethic in terms of an all-for-one, one-for-all way that these guys are willing to play that when they bring somebody in, they, they just slot in no problem whatsoever. And if it means that they want him to go out there and blunt it for, for a day and a half, that's what he's going to do. There's no, no, no idea that somebody comes in and kind of does their own thing in this New Zealand side. Um, it's, all, it's all for the greater good. And so, you know, that it, I thought when we talked about this last week, New Zealand started off as favourites. have been here, they played two test matches. You know, it's more their type of cricket in England. And of course, if you if you pick a team based on what you thought the weather forecast was going to be, as opposed to pick a team as, to, as opposed to what it might be, um, then in, India got it wrong um, in terms of their team selection. Not that I think it would have made a, an enormous amount of difference in the end. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a massive shame to me that, that the game... Was as interrupted by the weather and so beholden to the weather in terms of the, the seeming conditions etc. As it was, however, somehow it still didn't diminish the contest because it was won by you know a team bowling the opposition out twice. Um, you know in a, in a game where were, where it was time limited. You know you thought six days was going to be plenty, but in the end it came down to a race against the clock for New Zealand and India couldn't quite live with the with the likes of Jameson and Saudi and Bolt. And Wagner, of course, who comes in and kind of when, it, when it looks as though they're flagging a little bit and lifts them off the floor. So um, terrific. Really, really terrific. I'd, I would have loved it if the game had been played out. Because I still think that the surface had, um, had we had sort of five, four or five days of sunshine, the India's team would not have been a bad team. But you know those are the those are the, the chances you take with the forecast. If you if you ignore the forecast and pick what you think your your eleven is going to be for the ideal conditions, yeah, then so, you can end up coming it, unstuck.
2: And announce it what two days before the start <laughs> of the game. <laughs> yeah. It did seem, it does well, seem well, odd. precisely.
5: I mean that's you know, but there you go. I mean it's you know, and and i have no you know I have no issue. Of course, had the game been in a neutral venue, but that neutral venue had been. Bangladesh or something then in India would have been favourites to win it and you would have you would have been exactly the same way exalted for them <clears throat> um for winning it because they've been a fabulous team in this stretch as well and there's absolutely no denying it and there's no disgrace for them having lost um to this New Zealand team in the UK.
1: So Tar do you think that India missed a trick there playing playing the two spinners when they have had someone like Siraj waiting in the wings? Well I kind of feel with Jadeja it's almost the sort of Focus more on his batting than
3: bowling when when picking him here. I think, I think to get the balance right, if you were gonna take out Jadeja, you'd want a fast bowling all-rounder, and that's where someone like Hardik Pandya would come in for me. Um, I'm not sure what his fitness situation is, but not obviously fit. he's not not fit. Yeah, but he would. He, he's someone who I, who I still look to, and he's not played Test cricket since in his last tour here, uh, and he's still someone I look to who could who could who could do a trick for them in that Test side. Mm. Um, but I I. I totally respected what India did in terms of thinking, right, one game, let's just pick the best team, your best team. Because that is really like the team, if you're just thinking any conditions, I want, you know, this is this is going to be that core 11 and they'll do a job.
5: And I mean, just respect, I, I, respect I, to New Zealand then. I could right? not agree more. I yeah. mean, listen, if all things being equal, there was the right team. Yeah. All the, you know, if, if, if. If it hadn't have teed it yeah. down, if it hadn't but, lost but it, two days, it, it, it was though. the right team. But it did, though. No, no, no. But, you, do, but you don't it. know that. But you do, nobody knows that. What Nobody knows that. It's not like... It isn't as though, you know, New Zealand kind of went... If, if the weather had been fine, New Zealand playing five seamers was ridiculous, right?
1: But New Zealand named their team on the day of the game starting. That's ridiculous. In, India I, had, I still, had 24 but, but hours. But I
5: still don't think... I, I get that. But on day one, you can't know that day four is going to get washed out entirely, can you? That's, no matter, no well, matter what you do. Depends how much you... How much trust you face? in well, the Well, precisely, <laughs> that's my point. You, and, and you know, we all do that at our peril. But it's kind of, I agree with Tohar. This entirely the fact they looked at it and went, the weather looks pretty shady. But our very, our, the best team we can put on the park is this, and that's the that's the balance of it. And there were there were occasions, weren't there, in the match where you just thought, Christ, they, if they could have just thrown the ball to another seamer. Mammy Shammy looked like he was on his knees. Bumrah didn't have the, you know, Bumrah didn't have the best. Um, test match for, for a man of his, his standards. He so kind was of was a little, well. bit, off, little but, bit off the ball. But, you know, again, they, they'd just flown into the country. They'd not played any competitive cricket. New Zealand had played two test matches against England. They were ready. And in India... So, so, all in all, even if they got all of that stuff right, New Zealand were still favourites. It's and a little you, bit like play, the whole thing about, you know, talking about England's... The mistakes that England made with their selections in India or all the pitches or whatever. Before the series started... India are winning that series against England. No matter what England did, they're winning it. I'm sorry, I don't care what anybody says. They're winning that series. It might be by a margin of two, might might be a margin of three, might be a margin of four, but they're winning. Um, and given everything that had gone on, New Zealand were favourites to win it and they won it.
2: Yeah, and I think if you put Siraj in for Jadeja, that's a very long tail you're looking at there. And in a low-scoring match, Jadeja easily could have played a match-changing innings. I mean, what, the highest score was 53 in the game? Yeah, something like that, If Jadeja sticks around a bit long enough, then you kind of flip the whole thing on its head and say, well, of course he had to play because he scores such useful lower-order runs.
1: Virat Kohli said something quite interesting off the game. He said, I mean, this is very interesting given how slow the run rates were across the Test match. He he thinks India uh, should have... Uh, taking the game more to New Zealand when Indy were batting, which is interesting because Coley himself played the slowest innings of his test career when he's scored more than 30 runs. Did, do any of you think there's merit in that thinking? That that His argument was basically that in those conditions, there's going to be a ball with your name on it and it allowed bowlers like Jameson Sally, Bolt in
5: particular, to just kind of get into a rhythm. Well, this is, but this is my entire point about the idea of about it being one game because you have to make that call on the in that game, in that moment, you know, you you can kind of look back at it in hindsight and think, well, well, if the situation comes up again in match two, you can, you can do that. You know, if it's zacking around a the place, you go with sod it, we'll just have a, we'll have a go. But it's one game. So this is, that's my point is that all of that, all of these things, none of it is hindsight. All of it is, what are you doing in the moment? Are you, because you know that every single, um, every single dismissal, every single wicket is, you know, potentially, fatal in terms of the outcome of the test match, are you free enough in your mind and body to be able to go out and take that sort of risk? You're free enough to to talk about it afterwards, but are you free enough to do it at the time? Um, And it was was obviously noticeable by the time it got to the point where they were desperate to, to score as many as they could, as quickly as they could. The pant came out and did what he did, second dig. But to do that, on day two or day three whenever it was they were batting and it was zacking around all over the place and there were still three and a half days left that's that's some call to make right
2: yeah easier said than done right I mean yeah. Rohani did try and take on Wagner I mean not in particularly uh, assured way that, and that's my moment of the week Dan. that I mean that was a <laughs> terrible shot wasn't it a but very really, odd shot the,
1: the the broadcast team put a graphic of the field placement the field change of that delivery and literally highlighted the man who'd gone to square leg <laughs> uh, obviously that wasn't put on the big screen because Rohani played a shot as if he <laughs> I mean, did Know the man was there.
5: India, we've been talking for the last, I have a month or so about sort of England batting woes and whatever, but that, you know, half of that Indian batting lineup came to England with their last test match averages in the, in the very, very low 20s and some in the teens. So you're talking about a batting lineup itself that's kind of not in the flush of, of confidence. They're not. You know, Rahani, Shocker, Pant, uh, not Pant, um, Pajara, Shocker, Kohli, Shocker. In the, in the England series. So none of them have sort of come over here bristling with sort of like, you know, I've, I've been averaging 80 in the last 12 months or whatever, because they haven't. Um, New Zealand themselves
3: batted pretty slowly. In their really, level, slowly, really, you know? really slowly. <laughs> so, and, you know, yeah, I mean, Williamson really sort of took his time there. And then... Was it five 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 and a
2: half hours for his 49, was it? Something, something like, like that. that. So that was yeah. his
1: slowest 40 plus score ever as well. So two greats of the game played their slowest ever innings in England, so this game. Yeah, so, I mean... <laughs> Not so.
3: not necessarily nice proactive innings from them, but they, they they got it. Yeah,
1: bang on. I guess in the end, exactly. I thought it's quite interesting that they, this test followed a very similar kind of pattern to the two test match series that New Zealand won against India in New Zealand in the low scoring test matches but just the New Zealand guys who got in just kind of got those scores that just made a little bit more of a difference and in the end actually on paper it looks like quite comfortable victory, and lower order is, runs as well yeah, Salve exactly. and
2: Jameson really crucial runs which, which and in, quick runs as which well, India's I
1: mean. 9, 10, 11 just don't really yeah. get at all which is quite interesting Coley um, did say after the game he would have preferred a three test series in a one off final uh, Tar any thoughts on what you'd prefer to be, to be the way to decide the winner of the, t- the tournament in the future I... I mean, I enjoy the final, and I'm not really sure how you how
3: you're going to get the time to 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 get that in the calendar. Some, something's got to give somewhere else, I guess.
2: We'll refer to your edition of Wisdom Cricket Monthly <laughs> to see how it should all play out. Yeah, that's so, it. That's it. I it too,
1: yeah, yeah. I,
5: I'm a massive fan of the one game. Yeah, yeah massive. So me too.
1: So mm. am I. So yeah. am I.
5: I thought it did you do what you want up to that point, but yeah. that that stays. For
1: it's me. also just like it was, it was a Test match, like unlike others, you really see what like, yeah, so you said. So. It's so much riding on every moment of it. Um, and also, just like this is kind of a separate point, but the, the quality of bowling in that Test match was just incredible. Um, like nine, nine, ten bowlers who are all, all right on it all the way through. Um, after the game, Joe, I was wondering how this New Zealand side, Test side specifically, will be remembered. Obviously, the achievement of winning it, given the lack of resources they have, is incredible. Um, but one thing that Coley also said after the game that's quite interesting: what part of his argument about other a three-match series is that longer series are more memorable? Um, I think one of the things almost holding back how New Zealand will be remembered is that they don't actually get to play longer series. Like without this World Test Championship, they would almost not get the recognition that they're the best side in the world because they're almost never going to get the opportunity to get a three or four test uh, match series victory over the likes of India or Australia ever because they just don't get to. Do you, mm. do, you, do you think that's kind of fair that... They won't get those moments as much as other teams. They they might literally never get the opportunity to show how good they can be over a format series away to some of these teams.
2: Yeah, I think the number of matches is probably part of it. They also don't have a kind of marquee series in the same way as other countries, apart from Australia, who don't really kind of deign to play them very often and have only just let them come over and play the Boxing Day Test. And actually, unfortunately, New Zealand haven't produced their best cricket at all. That That was the kind of the one big blip in the World Test Championship cycle for them that they just were all over the shop, got a bit unlucky with injuries, a couple of poor selections along the way as well. Um, But I think there is also, they are just naturally going to slip under the radar, which is why this final is so important, because otherwise they can beat whoever in, they can beat even India in India. Over here, that wouldn't necessarily get that much traction. So I think you kind of need some silverware, a trophy to show at the end of it, to show how good you've been, which is why I'm so pleased that New Zealand have got that. Because otherwise this kind of sequence of, extremely good results over a few years could actually easily be forgotten
6: mm.
1: um Ty, so we had a we had a really good question in from one of our listeners listeners called Stephen. he said what do you think could have been some of the great world test championship final matchups of the past he suggests early 2010s england versus south africa um he says i think the world test championship could be fantastic for giving teams something to show for short periods of dominance
3: yes that's a really great question and, and i was thinking about it and it, it's a um, I think Ian Bishop got asked this as well during a you know rain break or something. Wh- who the uh, the West Indies team of the eighties would play, um, and it, it's a hard one to pin down. I mean, who would you say, say the oh, first it's, second of
5: It's got to be, be Steve Waugh's Australia side, isn't it?
3: But in terms of who would they play in the in the nineties?
5: The, well, there wasn't. What well, I, I remember, and I, could, I remember this vividly because I was a, a pro at the time. You know, just played making my way in the first team here at the oval and it was the it was the the changing of the guard between mark taylor's australia and and the and the west indies who were was richie Richardson still captain then vivid retired it might have been richie's team anyway so it was that it was when australia went to the west indies and beat the west indies in the west indies you know ended their their run of of not losing at home um, that was, I was sort of remember that being billed as kind of like a, a test match championship final and Australia won it. You know, that was the moment the baton was passed from the West Indies to Australia and Australia didn't relinquish it for a very, very long time after that. Um, so there, yeah, I mean, that, that was then. I mean, I don't know in the, in the 2000s because obviously England beat, beat Australia in 2005 and then got hammered 5-0 in the return, in return game. South Africa were a very, very good team. I, I would say it was probably Australia, South Africa. Spanning sort of, I don't know, the two thousand.
2: The peak of Graham Smith's team. I mean, that was a, yeah, serious, a South serious, African thing, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, and, and with with England, perhaps in there as well. Strauss's is, Strauss's is mob of ten, eleven, potentially.
1: Tar, you were, you were at Bristol last week? It's, it feels like a long time ago. Um, but you were at the women's Test match? India batted valiantly on the final day to avoid defeat. It was a really excellent Test.
3: Yeah, I was there for the first two days and and really enjoyed it, especially that second day. Uh, which kicked off with Sophia Dunkley making her first half century in international cricket. Uh, she was on debut. She played a handful of T20s and, and, and finally got the, I guess the, the score and in the innings we've, we've all been waiting for because she's been tipped for, for quite a while and she batted wonderfully. But, uh, the day, the day and um, the test match just belonged to, to Shafali Verma. Um, I mean, it was, you know, it was basically a privilege being there watching her because, you there? You know she's played. She's played a lot of t 20 She's the number one T20I batter in the world. Um, but you, you felt like that you were there at the start of something really special. Um, uh, she made ninety six and sixty three, and just she's seventeen years old and she just dominated. I mean, uh, there was a during during a first innings. I know Catherine Bright came on um, and sort of for a new spell. And I think it, yeah, must have been a new spell. And it was probably the first ball of the over or something like that. Um, and verma just makes some space and just hits her down the ground over her head for four the next ball she just waits on it guides it through third man four and she played that shot quite a lot in her innings it was almost like she just a level premeditation where she knows you know she can handle the pace here and she's just going to guide it and just do whatever she wants and she was kind of taking the proverbial um and yeah it was it was very very special to be there and, and watch that and um i wrote um after that day, that you know, will p- break record after record, you know, definitively. But and then had to say she'll probably make a Test hundred. I'd say probably because just because of the scarcity of women's cricket, so you don't really know how much she's going to play. She'll play against Australia later um, this year, but you know, who knows? Who knows what happens? But if India do have this appetite to play Test cricket, women's Test cricket, then that's that's a boost for every other country. As um, as Elise
1: Perry told you. This week as well at well, well.
3: least Perry I, I spoke to her last month for an upcoming interview for Wizen Creek monthly and we just talked about her test record because it's quite good it's,
1: it's phenomenal
3: but she has only played eight Test matches in uh, a very long career and she herself was was very modest and said you know I've not played that much so I don't think you should actually look into the stats too much um but the stats are, the stats are extraordinary and she's only ever played against England and so when she plays against India that'll be that'd be special and it'll be you know, hopefully it's, we see Perry versus Verma, you know, Perry, you know, arguably one of the, the greatest, um, against Verma, who's definitely the, the future.
2: When mm. I watched Perry in Test Cricket, she looks kind of broadly impossible to get out. Uh, yeah. she's got the shots as well, but she looks like if she wants to stay in, she could stay in for days and days and days. Yeah. And Shevali Verma, I mean, the only thing that's going to get her out is herself really, uh, <laughs> yeah. through either yeah. boredom yeah, or audacity going yeah. a little step too far. But if you think the limited opportunities that India have had over the last couple of years, it's incredible that still only 17, she's made the progress that she's had. I mean, she's basically played a handful of matches uh, and yet she's yeah, already at the top of the rankings in the 20. You'd say, I mean, I haven't seen anyone play a better test knock in women's cricket than, than she did last week. Um, imagine if she actually got to play regular cricket, how, mm. how good she'd be.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought, um, I think it was as we were recording the pod last week, uh the news broke that the women's test be played on a used pitch and and something that i enjoyed in the first two and a half three days in particular was actually given the the surface how batters on both sides really really went for the result uh you saw it on day 1 winfield hill hitting two sixes over uh over the leg side or i think in the first session yeah, and that you, was kind of the way that both sides top orders batted throughout the t- for, for the first three days at least, which was which was which was good to watch. Yeah, you got that sense from from straight away, and like you said, Winfield Hill, she just got thirty something,
3: but it was kind of the innings that set up that set up the day for England. Like this is where you could tell we're we're here to to win this game. Um, and they've they've drawn quite a few the last the last few test matches they've played, have just not been memorable. Um, and they were like, you know, this time this time we're probably
1: gonna make a, mm. a party out of it. Yeah. But Eccleston Sophie Eccleston took eight in the game um, there was a great period I think the end of the second day was it the end of the second day when, when India collapsed mm, yeah. um, do, do you think England missed a trick in not, in not playing another spin bowler? I know Glenn hasn't played Test cricket but yeah, someone for like her or one of the left arm spinners in, in the counter game for
5: sure I mean there, there is uh, four seamers for England is overkill really isn't it you would think um, Particularly given that there isn't an enormous amount of difference sort of pace-wise, Nat Siver gets used as a sort of holding bowler anyway, is not she? And you got Brunt and Shrubsole, so there was definitely a place for another for another spinner. Plus, you know, if you're going to make a big a big deal, the, the optics of playing on a used pitch were very bad, right? Very very bad, because you know it smacks of this isn't is, isn't as important as as the men's game. I get that. There's also mitigation in that. In order to have a pitch that was central enough for the TV cameras, they were limited in terms of the ones that they could use. So, all, you know, the, the excuses are valid. The optics are awful. However, if you're going to play on a used pitch and then not play two spinners, you're kind of, you know, you're not taking advantage of what you know already. You know, the, the pitch is not like the weather. So if there's already if there's already scuff marks on it and it's already been used, you know, two, it's already three days old, then the chances are it will take turn and it's not going to do a massive amount for your for your seam boulder. So that that you know, but there was a, there was there was an advantage to be taken in the fact that the pitch was used. And of course, by the end of it, they, they kind of you know they ran out of time. The pitch held together fine. Um, I don't think that used surfaces, unless they're unbelievably slow, which this one wasn't. Um, you know, have. Are quite as 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 detrimental to to the game as they might be in the men's game simply because the boys hit the hit it hit it harder you know um but but so you know there you go that's that, that's how it ended up england got themselves into a position where they might win the game um and some very very sparky batting from from india stopped that from happening uh and and all in all i think it was a pretty good advert for for women's test match cricket it, and the more obviously the more that they play the more sort of the more wily and the the sort of the more the more street wiles they get they'll they'll become in terms of being able to take wickets on on surfaces where the ball isn't doing a massive amount, but I think all in all it was a it was a it was a good show,
2: yeah, if you've got the leg spinner and a very good one in sagle player apps i mean the 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 picking george Ra who battered at seven didn't bowl many overs above the leggy, baffling really uh and Sarah Glenn can bat as well. I don't think they'd have lost much on the batting and they'd have gained a lot on the bowling. A very
5: strange pick. 20 wickets. That's. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, I, there was that stat on the radio. 140 women's test matches and only six times in the 140 of, of 40 wickets fallen in the course of the game. You know, teams do not get bowled out in, in women's cricket. So if you have a, a leg break bowler, somebody who does something a little bit different than you'd even sacrifice a bit of batting for it because it it doesn't seem to be a problem. There is no issue in terms of getting bowled out um, twice in in women's cricket. So you've got to do everything you can to give yourself the armoury to try and take those 40 wickets.
2: I think there's also an argument, I spoke to Gareth Brees uh, when I did a piece on Sophie Eccleston uh, a couple of months ago, and he talked about not only is Test cricket good in itself, but it also helps the bowlers to develop their skills in other formats. So Sarah Glenn is a usually exciting talent this seemed like a good opportunity for her just to have a bowl bowl and bowl and and try out a few more variations than you might in a t20 game where you're more fearful of getting hit so i think yeah a missed opportunity in a couple of ways
1: england announced a, a 16 strong squad for the odi series that begins shortly there was no room for danny white which i guess was the most interesting bit of news but lauren winford hilde is, is is in really good touch at the moment uh so i, I guess that is that is understandable moving on the, the England men's side contested what I think is must have been the lowest key home international in a long time in, a, in the men's game. I think uh, you had the World Test Championship final still going on. Uh, you had a really, really fun night in the Euros as well. Um, <laughs> I have to confess, I didn't watch a huge amount of this game. And then, and then you had England-Sri Lanka that within... Forty minutes it looked pretty clear <laughs> which way that was going and in the manner in which uh, it was going in that direction as well.
2: Um, Livingston bowled tidily in, did the, bowl in well. the three overs did the, well of the well. match that I watched. Um, <laughs> yes
1: England did win by eight wickets the second game of the series by the way uh, will probably have happened or, or is happening by the time you get to listening to this um, it's, it's live on BBC2 actually um, so so <laughs> that, you've got that to look forward to or you might have already watched it um, but yeah again, a, a few things to pick out from it Butler's really good uh, he scored he scored an unbeaten 68 he's he really now averages good. over 50 with a strike rate of over 150 when opening in T20 cricket and that's now from 20 innings so that's a pretty good sample size yeah I swear that's that's been the same for quite a while yeah, now yeah but he just paid like more games. More innings, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. yeah Livingston playing was, was interesting in itself and him bowling a couple of overs is quite interesting and doing well with two overs
2: yeah he, he offers a lot uh, I'd be amazed if he's not in the squad for the T twenty World Cup and I'd be I think he's pushing for a for a starting place. If if potentially I mean Stokes obviously has to come back in, you'd look at the side and you'd say Stokes comes in for Livingston, but don't want to go down the David Milan route, really, but there is potential. <laughs> Stokes could drop in at three and then you play Livingston at, at six and you've got an extra spin option, especially mm-hmm. if you're not gonna play moen Alley. That's quite a nicely balanced side for me. I wouldn't be surprised if come the start of the T twenty World Cup. That's what's what, what, what Morgan's looking at.
1: Mm. Um, and Chris Wotes back for the first time in, in six years uh, with with a new ball uh, he almost like wrote off his own T20
5: World Cup prospects yeah um, but I feel like he's he might... been his kind of life coach here yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he might need a, he, might, he might need a good old lie down though if after playing <laughs> last night you might not see him for another four months now um, I mean really? <laughs> just uh, well, the rest of, just <laughs> the of the world are good, did not they? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the the bizarre thing is, England have been able to put out perhaps the strongest team that they've possibly possibly been capable of picking since the first test in Chennai. Would that be fair?
1: Yeah, no, genuinely, I, I, I thought it was
5: for a for a T Twenty series against Sri Lanka at home.
1: This is a, this is a bit of a uh, Joe. I mean, you made the point before we started why? recording that. Morgan has said that he's going to look to rotate the 15 people or 16 people in this squad. Um, One thing that I thought was quite interesting is that, bit of a side point, but um, if you look at this ICC events calendar for the next 10 years, there's a major white ball tournament literally every single year from now to 2031. That's as long as the the, the schedule goes. Um, So you're not actually going to get a period like you had between 2015, 16 and 2019 where you can quite com- com- uh, confidently put in youngsters knowing that if they don't, it doesn't quite work out for them or a group of young players you could, you've could you got time to replace them bring other people back in etc so I think you kind of have to use series like this to bring people through and I do think it is a bit of a missed opportunity given that you do have injury concerns with Archer and Wood you do have form concerns with Tom Curran and Chris Jordan I know that Sakeeb and um, Rhys Topley are injured but this was quite a good opportunity to bring in um maybe someone like Tamar Mills or Matt Parkinson's not in the squad. I think it is a bit of a missed opportunity given given how much England dominated that first game I and mean, maybe we're, by the time this this England have lost the second game. We're,
3: but, we're just in a I mean it's just when that when the squad announcements came through for the <clears throat> both of these series, I just, just feel like we're in a weird place with this England Wide Ball side where if you think about straight after that World Cup when they had that five match to twenty series in New Zealand and they were obviously understandably resting a lot of players and you see all these young guys giving a go Tom Banton, Parkinson, Mahmood, um Pat Brown, you know. Okay, quite quite a few kids basically getting a go and we're now at this stage where it's like the the tried and tested guys. I mean there are basically ba- most of that team is over the age of 30. I think there's like four guys in the in a squad for the ODI series I think who are under 30. I mean there's little experimentation and like just playing it almost too safe where it's like, I don't think you need to, like, like you're saying, I think this, this is the opportunity where you can experiment a little. I mean, we all we'll already kind of know what's going to, what that T20 team is probably going to be. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm just sort of trying to understand what's, what the thinking is right now. Um, and for me, it's just, it's almost, it's almost too safe. You know, I think there's got to be still a level of looking to the, to the next 50 over world cup and, 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 I mean, do you really think that's going to be, you're going to have that exact same team basically from 2019 in 2023? I mean, obviously there'll be one or two fewer players, but it's almost like they're, they're, they're really putting an incredible amount of trust in the existing setup that's done a lot. And understandably, they're still doing it, but I'm I'm thinking when is that transition period actually going to happen now? Because um, yeah, I, I kind of thought it would already be happening.
1: I just think from a pragmatic point of view, if, if you have injuries to key players. I think you want the people who, who step in to have more international cricket behind them. Um, Matt Parks still has only played very few international games for England and if he is the next best wrist spinner in the country, you want him playing more games before p- possibly stepping in for Rashid yeah, if Rashid does exactly, get injured. Yeah. Um, I thought from a Sri Lanka point of view in a game, a few positives thought Hasser bowled really well. Um, he's been talked up by Mickey Arthur a, quite a long time now, but um, it's good to see him bowl like that. Um, Talking of bloody in new players, Joe, there is a new face in the ODI squad, George Garton, who listeners have probably heard a little bit about. Um, his name's been around for a while. Um, Joe, you spoke to him recently. We'll play a bit of the interview um, in a in a minute or two. But um, it was quite an interesting selection.
2: It was. And although he's picked for the ODI squad, I think he's been picked because of his T20 performances. That's where he's done brilliantly in the blast um, over the last, well, last summer and, and this. Uh, and he's got a lot... Going for him, I mean, left arm quick, got that change of angle. Uh, He's starting to whack it out of the park from kind of the middle order now as well, which is, again, useful. apparently a very good fielder too. Um, And he got bowls quick. So there's a lot there to work with. I can absolutely see why England uh, are interested in him and have been for a long time, to be fair. They were interested in him long before he had any records speak of and now the numbers are kind of catching up with his his potential. Um, I think if he gets a chance against Sri Lanka in the 50-over stuff, and I think he probably will... I think there's an outside chance that he could get in the T20 World Cup squad as, as, the kind of, as, as a spare seamer. If a couple of fall away, there's an injury or two, he's got the hundred, he's playing for Southern Brave. Uh, there are plenty of opportunities between now and then for him to, to, to show how good he is. And I think he might end up just being a little bit short, but I, I think he's definitely in the conversation.
1: Mm. Uh, Butch, you must have seen quite a lot of Garton in the Blast.
5: Yeah, very handy. Yeah, very, very handy indeed. Genuinely quick brilliant fielder and and the batting is coming on leaps and bounds so yeah there's there's a lot to like about him a lot
1: yeah. well here is that conversation between joanne garton including an interesting anecdote from uh his, his first day with the england ashes squad in 2017
2: you've been involved with the senior england squad before during the 2017 18 ashes series when you got called up as cover uh, you're only 20 at the time and had only played a handful of games what are your memories of, of that experience
4: um, a lot of fond memories and reason, a lot of kind of uh, an experience that I'm really grateful for um, and helped my cricket a lot both on the pitch and off the pitch Um finally one of the first memories is landing at about nine o'clock at night waking up at eight and going paintballing with everyone before I'd fully met everyone and just getting peppered by, <laughs> peppered by paintballs.
2: Who um, was particularly you know, vicious? I can't remember. I remember me and uh, Tom
4: Curran had a good standoff right. with each other, um, and I just remember rooting, running at everyone, and not caring about getting hit. Um, yeah, lots, lots of fun memories from there, and yeah, I loved the experience.
2: Like pretty much all young fast bowlers, you've you've had a couple of injuries along the way. I, I read one of them was picking up a suitcase off a carousel at an airport. Is is that right? Yeah. that
4: that unfortunately kind of kicked off two years of tearing my side four times Um, yeah I I was on a trip from Australia to Jamaica for a Lions tour and my flight in Los Angeles was delayed um, and I had about ten minutes to get from one plane to the other otherwise I was stuck in LA for 21 hours Right. Um, so I ran to the luggage carousel and pulled my my cricket coffin off the luggage um belt and my bag probably weighed 28-30 kilos right and as I yanked it I tore um one of my muscles in my side um so yeah that cut that trip short and then proceeded to follow two years I tore my side four times in the end um so yeah it was a tough couple of years and with the
2: side at Sussex now it's obviously a very young group and and Spoken to me Salisbury about that. Who, who t- takes pride in the young players coming through would actually oddly makes you kind of one of the more senior players in some of the lineups you've you've played this year. Um, have you enjoyed that extra level of responsibility, having that more senior role?
4: Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely a kind of a surprise when you're only 24 and you're the oldest bowler in the team <laughs> um, for some games. Um, But no, I like the added responsibility and kind of being a bit more of a leader role. Um, I think it brings out the best in me because you have to be switched on. You have to set an example um, and you have to perform well. And yeah, I I like the challenge. Uh,
1: We've had loads and loads of blast action in the last week since we last recorded when it's not been raining. Um, I'll run through a couple of the standout performances. Yesterday, Harry Brook and Jordan Thompson put on an all-time record blast sixth-wicket partnership. 141 in just 9.1 overs to help Yorkshire recover from 50 for 5 from 10.5 overs to a final score of 191 against Worcestershire. Uh, that was after Worcestershire's Dylan Pennington took a triple wicket maiden. So it's all happening in that game. Uh, Sam Patel took figures of 3 for 4 from 4 overs against Worcestershire, uh, a game that featured your moment of the week, Joe.
2: Um, yeah, so this, that was uh, Tuesday night when most of us were watching next instalment of England's (laughs) inevitable march to glory. Um, But meanwhile, there was a 10-wicket win for the Outlaws. Chased down their target of 86 in six overs at Trent Bridge. Um, So yeah, Samit doing his thing still. Um, But yeah, it was Alex Howes I wanted to pick out. Uh, We haven't spoken about him for at least three weeks. Uh, But you know, he just keeps doing it. He hit 96 not out from 50-odd balls against Durham uh, a week or so ago. Uh, and then he did. I mean, he didn't have as many to chase, but he he, he smashed a, I think eighteen ball half century to to see off their target against Worcester, he's averaging forty seven in the blaster season, striking at one eight four. Um, look, I think I think we know by now where England and Morgan stand on Hales. I don't think he's going to be playing in the T Twenty World Cup, but I do think a date for your diaries worth penciling in July twenty ninth. Owen Morgan's London Spirit take on Alex Hales' Trent Rockets at Lords that will be live on the telly. Uh, as I say, he's not going to get in the C Twenty World Cup squad, I don't think, but it'll be a chance for Hales to 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 prove a point, to make life a bit awkward for Owen Morgan. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a few in that game.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, we've we've reached an interesting phase of the competition, I guess, where where sides, some sides, have lost players to England. Um, so I'll quickly run through what the tables look like at the moment. In the in the North Group, the top four sides are Yorkshire, Notts, Birmingham, and Durham. In the South Group, Kent, Sussex, Surrey, and Gloucester occupy the top four slots at the moment. Zach Hawley's going very well for Kent at the minute. Tar, you were impressed by a Somerset youngster yesterday in a game that saw Jack Leach make his long awaited T20 debut oh, in Somerset. That. He played, did he? Three for 28. Yeah, of Three course 28. he was. <laughs> of course he could
3: do while, it. While, uh, while New Zealand were wrapping up the World Test Championship final, Jack Leach was just coming on to bowl. Yeah, uh, young Will Smead, 19 years old, um, been talked about quite a bit. Um, really like highly rated at Taunton Uh, a few years ago when he was 16 he played a second 11 game and batted with Tresk who was 42 at the time uh, and they both hit centuries and so I've remembered his his name since then and he um, he was back with James Hildreth uh, James Hildreth uh, yesterday um, against Surrey who uh, are a very different side when they've lost their England players Um, and he was yeah cruised it 42 of 29
1: Uh, one to one to keep an eye out for I reckon absolutely um, in the Rachel ho Flint Trophy, the Vipers, Diamonds and the Sparks have all got three wins from four at the top of the table. A couple of really good games from the latest round. Um, the Diamonds beat the the, the Southeast Stars in a, in a bit of a thriller. They chased two fifty seven down in the last over, having been 70 for five. Dutch international Stair Callis hit 76 and they were half centuries down the order from Jenny Gunn and Beth Langston to see the Diamonds home. And there's also a narrow win for the Thunder over... Uh, the Sparks Thunder winning that by only two wickets off the Eve Jones carried her bat for the Sparks with an unbeaten hundred earlier in the game. Elsewhere, South Africa beat West Indies in the second and final Test of that series. The 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 most entertaining bit from that match, I think, uh, it's got to be the Keshav Maharaj hat trick on the final day that saw Wian Mulder take an amazing catch at, short, uh, at leg slip rather to to, to seal the, the, the hat trick. Um, before we go on, a plug for the Wisden Summer Party Pack. Uh, this contains 10 cans each of the afternoon session pale ale and the Little Wonder Amber Ale. Also includes six etched glass Wisden tankards and a full set of 48 Wisden Cricketer of the Year beer mats. For a limited time only, you can pick all of that up for seventy nine ninety nine, which is a saving of over 100 quid. Head to wisdom.com. Forward slash shop. Um, related to just Wisdom Cricketers of the Year, it reminds me of uh, a stat that we found a couple of months ago. Um, Butch, do you know you're the holder of the record of, of the most England Test caps without being a Wisdom cricketer of the Year?
5: No. It's
2: wow. an outrage. i just <laughs> start a petition. Either
1: commiserations or congratulations. I'm not sure <laughs> which way it is. Um, uh, and, and finally, we've got a couple of really interesting interviews lined up. This week is Yorkshire Tea National Cricket Week, an initiative run with the charity Chance to Shine that aims to spread the power of cricket in schools and communities. It is a week of themed activities that aims to help children and young people learn and grow through the game. Yorkshire Tea work with Chance to Shine because they believe grassroots cricket makes a proper difference and they are proud to inspire thousands of children each year chance to shine's latest impact report shows that 55 percent of children are not getting the activity they need each day and only 47 percent play a team sport during a year lockdown has also had a profound effect 16 percent of children in 2020 had a mental health issue compared to 10 percent in 2017 74 percent of young people surveyed by bernardo's found it hard to maintain friendships during lockdown So how can cricket help? Quite simply, by having a positive effect on the physical, mental, personal and social well-being of young people. 84% of Chance to Shine sessions engage those less likely to stay active or play sports outside of school, whilst 88% of teachers agreed children have developed their teamwork skills. The sport also builds resilience and self-esteem, a vital tool as we get young people back on their feet. If you want to donate to Chance to Shine, head to chanceofshine.org forward slash donate. All donations to the charity are currently being doubled by charity patron Adrian Beecroft. Earlier this week, I spoke to a group of people who've seen what Yorkshire Tea, National Cricket Week and Chance to Shine do first hand. First, I spoke to Clive Madison, the head teacher at Ravenswood Primary School in Newcastle, and James Morgan, who's been coaching at Ravenswood about the impact the coaching sessions there have had. Clive, you're, you're a head teacher at Ravenswood Primary
6: School in Newcastle. Tell us about how your school got involved with Chance to Shine in the first place. Yeah, sure, yes. We, uh, we played cricket all the time I've been here. I've been here for 35 years, believe it or not. And so uh, in, in that time, there's always been competitive cricket played here. Um, but when Chance to Shine came along, that was, it was really obvious for us to get involved with that. Um, that extended our provision of cricket from a competitive uh, element, which we used to teach sort of with the older children from 9 to 11 years old, all the way down to, well, six and seven year olds uh, now who get a real introduction to cricket as a sport through, through Chance to Shine and um, teaching them cricket skills which they can then develop as, as time goes on.
1: How old are the kids involved and what, what are you trying to get out of them? Yeah,
6: so it's, it's an interest in cricket. That's the first thing. Yeah, there's, there's definitely an interest in cricket, um, just raising the profile of the game. Um, but actually a lot of the work that James does with the younger children is all very generic skills that they're, that they're learning, but just through the medium of cricket. Um, so it does two things. It, it gets them seeing cricket as a sport, seeing something that they're interested in. It also gets them working with a, a professional, you know, so which is always great for children of that age to, to see somebody um, who's from the, the local club and from the county Um, and and that gets that interest we try and signpost the youngest children to local clubs get them interested in playing competitively and and we get a huge knock-on from that as the children get older If they're already playing in clubs they tend to come they tend to want to be in part in the teams and then their mates see them playing and their standards good and so they aspire to be as good as those children and it has a huge knock-on in that we've got a, a, a little factory of cricketers coming through school, boys and girls, um, with with both the interest and the basic skills for them to, to be involved.
1: So James, from a coaching perspective, what, what, what do the sessions look like? What are they designed to
0: do? Uh, in, in simple terms, really, every, every session that I set out to do in a school, I try to get every child in that session to hit as many balls as possible, catch as many balls as possible, throw as many balls as possible, uh, so the way that that looks is, it, it's different every single time really. We'll, we'll make sure we definitely get the teachers involved, um, for multiple reasons really. One being, it helps the session run a lot smoother. You know, if you can trust a teacher to go off with a group of kids on the other side of the field, or the yard, and, and run a little mini activity with them, it just means more people are doing more things for more of the session, which is, which is what you want really, but also, as Clive was alluding to before, it helps to build that cricket culture in school. So the staff are really confident in de- uh, delivering things on their own as well. So when I'm not there, crickets can still happen within school. Um, and, you know, as Clive said, cricket is very much the vehicle for, for all of the things we're trying to draw out of those sessions. So we, we work on a system of, uh, we call them the cogs, really. So we, we try to make sure there's a physical element to every session, a social element, health and fitness, cognitive, creative, and a personal element to it as well Um, and it's one of those where we try to make sure we draw out all of those in every session some are a lot easier than others you know that the physical element is pretty obvious that's the the cricket skill itself and the health and fitness you know as long as they're moving about but it's how can you try and stimulate them in as many ways as possible to to improve their skills socially cognitively etc as well Um, so we'll generally work with the school for about six weeks or so um, and follow a uh, a loosely a loosely set program as such which you know you adapt to each school and each session as you see fit as a coach but they're very much aligned to the national curriculum outcomes of the school Um try to make every session as inclusive as possible so everyone's achieving something within that session you know you, you might have a a really broad range of people within any session uh, you might have some SEN children in, in classes and things like that so the, the range of abilities might be really really different so you've got to try and find a way to make sure everybody achieves something um which is you know more challenging in on some days than it is other days but you you try to find a way Um, and the way that we try to do that is through through personal bests so it's not about comparing yourself to your mate or comparing yourself to the person on the other team it's about can you do better today than you did last week okay You, you took 10 catches last week did you right brilliant let's do 15 catches today um you know and, and see, see if they can just get better week on week really. I think one of the, one of the things that, that you do get especially when you're working with the, with the younger ones is a lot of them especially, um, I'm sure Clive will, will agree, you know the area of Newcastle we work in there might not be a massive knowledge of cricket in general um, from the kids already when they begin so a lot of them you might start and some of them have got no idea what cricket is, what it looks like, and things like that. So you're you've got to make sure that their first taste of the game is one is a memorable one and one that they want to continue with. And then on the other hand, you might have people who've got a bit of knowledge of it. And the knowledge they have might be the bits they've seen on the telly where it's eleven blokes standing about in whites for seven hours a day, not really doing much. So it's how can we almost make them realise that no cricket isn't always like that. You can play cricket and you can have fun, you can be active, you can smash balls all over the place and make it the funnest hour of your week. Um, and it's amazing how quickly kids will be like, oh, I love cricket. I didn't, I didn't know what cricket was, but now that I've played it, now that I've seen it, I really, really like this. And as Clive says, you, you see that, you can almost see the result of that by those who go on to do it outside of school, whether that be in a club setting
6: or, or a community setting probably the biggest thing in my time over at Ravenswood has been the difference in the girls so getting the girls we've always got the girls involved but the enthusiasm from the girls is really kicking in uh, now particularly with what the girls are seeing and the the women do in the sports Um, and we've got a cracking little girls team at the moment here um, which is which is great to be able to see them move forward as well so Boys have, have always been involved. Those girls are really getting to that standard now where they're playing and beating the boys at times uh, as well. So big, big positives from, from the, the programme.
1: I also spoke to Izzy Wong, one of the most exciting young quick bowlers in the country, about her winter, her start to the season and her experience of chance to shine as a kid, which really wasn't that long ago. You start the season really well. You're one point off the top of the league. You're, you've got the second most wickets in the league at the time, time of recording. How do you feel the season's gone so far? Obviously, that that sounds very good. How's it, how's it felt for you?
7: I think it's been really good, actually. I think we, um, probably last season as a Sparks, as a team, we didn't meet our expectations. So uh, we've worked really hard this winter. And I think we've just played some, you know, really good, I think we've we've been playing exciting cricket as well, which is good, you know, you know our first game against Diamonds. Diamonds. Um, to kind of get over the line in a game like that, first game of the season, you're thinking, right, well, you know, this is this is something here. And then to kind of continue that form against the storm and the Vipers was really nice.
1: You were you were the senior England side in New Zealand over the winter. What was that experience like for you at such a young age?
7: It was crazy actually. It was really, really amazing. Um I think it was just, you know, I'm just so grateful for that opportunity I had with them really um learning off those guys. You know, there's so much experience in that dressing room. So to just tap into that and kind of sponge as much knowledge as you can out of them was you know opportunity that I'm like I said earlier really grateful for um it was it was a really good trip actually obviously um two series wins um happy days really and um, new zealand as a country is amazing there wasn't any covid um cricket wise you know it was so good to kind of be training in and around them and then you know be in the team meetings listen to how they're preparing you know plans for individual batters individual bowlers um, and then on a game day, you know, kind of how they're going about their business, you know, in as a camp and how that works in and around the playing 11, because obviously, you know, there's a lot more than just the 11 guys that are on the pitch and how the guys that hadn't been selected were around the the playing 11 and making sure that they could contribute in whatever way possible to getting that those two series wins. So it was really, you know, it was an incredible experience and I think the friends I made at with the girls out there as well, you know, the relationships I think I formed was, you know, it was a really good opportunity for me to just kind of have that no pressure environment and just learn as much as I can about myself and about the, you know, the, the way they kind of do things as a team.
1: Do you feel like you're a better bowler for the experience of going away with the England squad over the winter?
7: Definitely. I think um, I feel... Certainly from last year, I feel like I'm in a completely different place with, you know, all round. But, you know, especially with my bowling, I think how much of that is New Zealand? You know, I think there's a number of factors. Obviously, you learn from last season um, and obviously we worked hard this winter, at the Sparks. So I think it's a combination of factors. But almost certainly, you know, it was I feel a lot. I feel I feel having had those conversations with the senior bowlers, I feel a lot clearer going into what I'm doing, especially at the end. I was always quite settled on what I was doing at the top of the top of the game you know in the power play and stuff like that but I think coming back and I've bowled a bit more this season in kind of later spells um you know in in the middle overs or at the death and 50 overs and then we've had a couple of hundred ball practice game t20s and stuff i bowled at the end as well and I just feel a lot clearer And I think that clarity has been really good I think the game against diamonds I think I didn't bowl that well but I got a few wickets at the end just because I was really clear in what I was trying to do and I was clear, like, I'm going to bowl this, this is where I want my fielders. Oh, look, I've got three catches, four catches. I've like, not bowled well, but I think that clarity is you know, something that is really, really invaluable, actually.
1: I'm right in saying that you were a participant of Charles the Shine when you were younger. Is that right? Cool. <laughs> um, what, are your, what are your memories of that? How did you get involved?
7: So I had already played cricket um in an after school club at school kind of you know tennis ball stuff really enjoyed it um chance to shine came in when I was in year four so it's actually so m- my teacher at the time was do you know Marie Kelly she's one of the uh she's our number three at Sparks well it's her mum her mum was my primary school teacher at the time so Mrs Kelly and we we arranged we had chance to shine come in Danny Maskell I think it was and Um, I'd already kind of played cricket, so I was already really keen and, you know, it was really, it was really just my whole class was involved with it and it was great. And it was all my mates that, you know, probably didn't play cricket and to actually be able to share something that I enjoyed with them was, you know, great fun. That's all I remember at the time. And I think we had like four weeks of it maybe. Um, and then we went off and played in a competition against other schools at I think it was at Knoll Village Cricket Club and, you know, it it was great fun. I think everyone in my class just loved it and that's probably the one, one of the, one of the experiences I think in primary school where I can vividly remember everyone taking part and everyone enjoying it. I think, you know, there's always, you know, not everyone's done this, but everyone was really keen to get involved with cricket, and then, you know, I think we had two or three teams go off to this competition, you know, there's only 30 of us in, well, 60 of us in my year, so, you know, I think we all just really enjoyed it, and to get outside and in the playground and, you know, learning all sorts of things. It's not just cricket. It's, you know, how to get on with your teammates, how to, how to communicate with each other. And, you know, for me, someone who'd played a little bit, um, like, how can I, how can I help the guys that maybe haven't done anything at all? And even if it's like, Oh, like just hold it with two hands and stand sideways, you know, it's not, it's not high level stuff, but it was so enjoyable at the time and I just loved it. And I think it kind of, nurtured my love for the game so to speak and I think it was that year that I went off and played um, like proper club cricket so it really just pushed me on I think so yeah I really enjoyed it obviously and yeah here we are.
1: Yeah so how, how important do you think it was for you for you in terms of developing your your love for the game?
7: Really important I think you know um, the stuff I'd done up to then had just like it'd been really fun um, and like, I had you know, I, I really loved cricket, I think, by that stage. But to play it in class and, you know, have that, you know, this is fun. We're going to compete against other people, but, you know, it's fun. We're going to learn. And everyone was involved. I think that was the thing that was, oh, I like cricket. Like, everyone can play cricket. Like, my whole year is playing cricket. Like, wow, like, this is amazing. Like, everyone was playing cricket. Like, why not just do this the rest of my life? Like, I think it was really just exciting for me as, you know, what was I, 10? 9, 10? You know, to be nine and ten to get pulled out of lessons, to go and play cricket in the playground. Like, who's not enjoying that? So I think it was really important, and I think I'd, there's a whole m- number of factors that have got me to where I am right here. But I think chances shine was so important to actually teach you like the lessons of cricket, not just you know technically, because I think that a lot of the stuff I've done before was not technically, but like you know, I say, hit the ball, say catch the ball, say throw a ball. Whereas kind of Chance to Shine came along and it was like, okay, like, this is how you hit a ball, but like, this, is how you, this is how you engage with other people on a team and this is how you do this. And then we're going to create a team and go and play against other people. I think that was, yeah, really important.
1: Mm. Um, and finally, I've been told that your, your mum is still a close supporter of Chance to Shine. Um, what, what do you think it means to your, to your family?
7: Yeah, so my mum has actually, she's written a couple of books. She's an incredible one. Um, She's written a couple of books for Chance to Shine. I'm not sure there are any up here I was going to show you. Um, But basically to kind of engage, um, to join up cricket and literacy. So the guys, you know, there might be people like me that loved cricket, doing Chance to Shine, but, you know, might necessarily not engage with the reading or the literacy aspect. And there might be guys that love reading, but don't like cricket. And they're kind of cricket books about, you know, kids who've done chance to shine and really saying that, okay, like chance to shine, like cricket's great and reading's great. Let's, let's bump them together and let's try and encourage people that like cricket to read and people that like reading to play cricket. And so, yeah, I think um, that's something she really enjoys doing. Um, She's done a couple more books um, with Middlesbrough football club, actually on getting kids um, that play football into reading and, Kind of especially that is um, helping the kids go from. So Middlesbrough do a thing where they um, they have a coach in their primary school that comes in to teach them football, and then that same coach comes into their secondary school the year later. So they when they go from year six to seven, and it's all about kind of helping that transition. So I think you know my mum has she's done some fantastic work with kind of helping helping people play sport and helping people read, and I think. So I think Chance to Shine is, you know, she's been quite involved with that for a couple of years, both her and my dad, you know, I think, so I think to see, you know, the Chance to Shine project going so well is, it means a lot to us as a family. I think we love cricket and, um, you know, my mum, she's got, she's, she's pretty good at writing books. So she's, she's taken that opportunity and I think she, she's really enjoyed kind of working with Chance to Shine and seeing the difference that they're making because, you know there's so many kids playing cricket now it's it's crazy you know i i i go to my local cricket club on a, on a friday i was the first so i was the only girl that had ever played there when i was 8 9 um i just played with the boys loved it because i love cricket now i go down there and there are there are 55 i think we've got 55 girls in the girls section and that's before we count all stars and dynamos whatever and you know some of them are there because they love cricket some of them are there because they love spending time with their mates and their mates play cricket so like why can't i play cricket and i think that kind of you know i think loads that so many of them are dumb chance to shine they've played cricket with their friends and they realize actually you know this is a great way to spend time with my friends and you know down there at the cricket club on a friday night and there's 55 55 girls you know if you told me that 10 years ago i'd have I'd probably laughed at you so i think you know it is evident That you can the the work that Chance Shine is doing, and it's just so exciting for us as a family, really.
1: And that is everything from today's show. Cheers, Joe. Cheers, Tar. Cheers, Butch. This has been the Wisdom Cricket Weekly podcast. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button, and we'll be back next week. Cheers.
5: Podcast Network.